Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the UW Film Club podcast, where each week we invite a member of the club onto the show to talk about a movie of their choosing. Whether that movie be good, bad, topically relevant, or anything in between, it's all on the table. I'm one of your hosts, Jim Saunders, and joining the podcast, as always, is Cynthia Lee. What up, Jim? Uh, nothing much. Nothing much. Our, our long summer. Same, same, same response, response every summer. I think we comment about it every time, but goes without saying, you know, nothing much. There's only a couple more weeks of summer um, at this point, so please, please let us know if you want to join the podcast and talk about a film, because, you know... Or, I mean, there's plenty of opportunities. Or if you want to well. do it for the school year, I actually re- like rather it be for the school year. <laughs> so we yeah, can like backlog a bunch of people. True, true. Sorry. It might, plus, it might, it might be a little complicated to get three people on a call. Well, I, I think three people can get on a FaceTime call, right? Yeah, I mean, they used to do it in like the old days. <laughs> With, I don't know. I just every time I think of like three or four way calls, I always think about Mean Girls, and they have that one scene where all four of them are on a call, but they oh, yeah. don't know who is on the call, and they're just talking mad shit about each other. Oh my god! I love Mean Girls. That movie's so good. I want to rewatch that. Uh, I, really I mean, it's also dated, but it's just, it's so good. It's so good. Funny. It's so it's quotable. Yeah. But we're not talking about Mean Girls, but we're talking about another... 2000s-era comedy. Comedy, yeah. That's pretty... Um, not infamous, but a lot, lot of people are a huge fan of this. It's kind of a... It's, 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 like the, like a, it's part of the Apatel empire that was yeah. the late 2000s. Mm-hmm. Sort of this new era of comedies that... It's like, quote-unquote, pathetic men... Who are kind of suck. Yeah. <laughs> trying to, and you're under, and us understanding that they don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think, I think, I think, I think one of the, the lead characters in this doesn't suck nearly as much as the other yeah, one. Oh, yeah, same, 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 same. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. You're, mm-hmm. you're totally right. Like stuff like, um, uh, it's like forty-year-old virgin, 40 virgin, Sarah uh, Marshall, knocked up. They're all centered around like quote-unquote pathetic men. Oh, and also this is super a super superficial comment, but they're like pathetic men, and then they always get women who are I think are ten times out of their league. Yeah, I mean it's it's <laughs> kind of that like weird male fantasy thing that those movies strive on but mm-hmm. i think i think it um which could be problematic but i think super bad for as raunchy as it is i think I don't, that aspect in particular of the male and female relationship within super bad for the specific characters these specific characters are less yeah because i think so. we, we talked about we talked about a um few podcasts ago we talked about 500 days of summer mm-hmm. and how that movie is kind of problematic because you don't know who to side with i think mm-hmm. i think it's very clear in super bad who you're supposed to be siding with like who's yeah yeah for sure I, I think is which is kind of ironic because you would think that's super bad giving it's given it's like apatow and it's um seth rogan and all these people that it would be like a lot more problematic but like I, I mean, it is a problem that this film is in a way, in a way, yeah. <laughs> it's dated. Like I'll just yeah. say about that. Yeah, it, it's not like it's it's the super. I don't know. But yeah, we're talking about super bad. Not yes. directed by Judd Apatow, but you know, produced by him. Mm-hmm. Directed by. I hope I'm pronouncing Greg. this. Greg Motella. Motella. Matola? I don't know. I don't know. But he's directed some other stuff like Adventureland, and then he did a couple stuff uh, episodes for Arrested Development. So he is very much a director within this comedic genre, like this type of comedic genre. Mm -hmm. And then it was, again, (laughs) produced by 
uh, Judd Apatow and then it was written uh, by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg I think Mm -hmm. when they were around 16 or 17 yeah yeah and I think initially Seth Rogen was going to play one of the lead characters, but by the time they got to actually making it, it he, he was, was like way, way too way old. Too old. Uh, and so he played an older character within the film. Yeah, which him and uh, that's another thing. But him, we'll talk, get to it later. But him and Bill Hader are like hilarious in this. They're movie. so funny in this movie. But yeah, so we're talking about Superbad. Just like a quick rundown. What? quick rundown about what this film's about it centers on these two high school seniors Seth and Evan who are kind of they consider themselves as not cool and not popular within their um school dynamic whatever and the film essentially centers on this one last night premise of we're gonna go to a party and hook up with girls so we don't go into college being these like unprepared losers, unprepared. Ugh, gross. But yeah, that's essentially the the whole film. And so they try to get alcohol for this party that they're going to, and it turns into this huge mess. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just in in their effort to try to gain alcohol to get to this party. Like it seems like everything goes wrong. Everything goes awry. Well, I also I think it's like everything goes wrong. But if they waited like a couple minutes, like if they were a little bit more patient, I feel like mm-hmm. things might have turned out okay. Like right. the scene where um, McLovin um, Fogel is getting the alcohol, and then they get like robbed at the liquor store, like. If Seth and Evan just waited until McLovin came out of the store and, like, explained what was going on rather than assuming that he got caught with for his fake ID, everything mm-hmm. would have been fine. That was, right. like, the logical hoops I was going through when I was watching that film, this film, which is kind of not what you should be doing, but... <laughs> Right. That's well, just, I like, mean, personally for me when I was watching the film. I think if I was one of those characters, then I would be freaking out, too, like, holy shit. Because, I mean, you're underage trying to get alcohol. You're going to be, like, on edge, like, mm-hmm. nervous and terrified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, they've never, I guess, never done it before. And, mm-hmm. and um, Seth, played by Jonah Hill, is least his character is very <laughs> intense all the time so yeah. it yeah. was not out of character i guess for mm-hmm. him yeah evan evan was the, is he's, the one that's he's my favorite of, character in this film he's he's by, by far, the far best my, character yeah in, yeah in this movie. um for a lot of different reasons mm-hmm. um because he, he's easily the he's least. like a pushover, but he's very his problem. His thinking is very not as problematic as Seth, because mm-hmm. Seth has some very problematic ways of thinking within this film that kind yeah. of made me disgusted. Yeah, well, it, really, this whole idea to go to this party and to like they just want to go to the laid. party to well. Seth wants to go to the party to hook up with Jules, played by Emma Stone, and Ev- and also be popular, I guess. And then Evan wants to go to the party, mainly because it's forced upon him by Seth, but also to kind of get to know Monica? Is that her name? Becca. Becca, Becca, who's played by, I think, a Monica. That's why. I don't know who she is. I don't Sorry. <laughs> I don't know who plays her, but yeah. You're close. You're close. Uh, Martha, Martha. Mc- McIsaac. Martha McIsaac. Oh. Yeah. Monica. <laughs> it's, it's, an, it's an M name. It's an yeah, M name. Yeah. So I like felt, I guess that kind of goes into what I kind of have a problem with this film is that there's a lot of stuff within it that I find problematic and not a great way. And I, I know I have to understand that this is a late 2000s film and it's also an Apatow film, but there are some stuff 
that just seems a bit off. Not to mention that Seth is not the most likable character. That kind of just throws me off from this film because this film is funny, but there are like points where I'm just like, ooh. I, I kind of see that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I do because I don't I mean, want to. Okay, I don't want to compare I'm, a recent film that is like super bad is Booksmart, and we talked about it on our pod, but on the podcast that we did for Booksmart, which you guys should all check out. But what I like about Booksmart is that those two characters, I find more depth within them and more relatability and more liking of them and sympathy towards them that, like, they do say some really not great things in that film, but I've come to a personal attachment with these characters and I understand where they're coming from, where it feels okay, where, for me... Sess and Evan, I never felt that within this film. And so a lot of the stuff that they said, I could really see why that was a problem. And I don't really understand where it comes from. Well, I think the key difference between this and Booksmart is that Booksmart is more of this, like, universal message of trying to, like, understand. Like, you don't know what, like, the people around you regardless of like what you may think of them are going through or what they truly are mm-hmm. which I think having those characters um, and those conflict with themselves try to go and explore that was a lot more universally relatable than something like super bad because super bad was just like the one character going to a party to try to get laid or whatever and then the other one is just sort of tagging along it's not really saying Mm-hmm. It's not. Do you think it's trying to say something? I don't really think so. But I think there has to be within this film, like, I think they want you to try to feel sympathetic for Seth and Evan and feel some attachment to the characters. I don't think they want us to feel sympathetic to Seth. I think Seth was an asshole the entire time. <laughs> okay, yeah. I thought he was an asshole the whole entire time. But, like, I don't know. I just feel like with coming-of-age stories, you kind of have this connotation of understanding where they're coming from because coming-of-age stories, in my opinion, rely on relatability and having characters that you can relate to and you can see and understand where they're coming from, where... Superbad kind of evokes coming of age is kind of a coming of age story and I just don't understand where Seth comes from but I think that also is because this film is essentially two different stories Uh one is Seth and Evan and their conflict but then another is I mean I love the character and I love the story but, like, the other half is McLovin and the shit he gets to with the cops. Mm-hmm. And it's these two stories that sometimes merge but are very separate from one another. And I feel like Superbad wants us, I think, wants us to understand Seth and Evan's character to a point of, I don't know, evoking some sort of understanding towards them and understanding why they think that way and maybe why that's how it's problematic. But I think because they split it into these two different stories, we don't get that out of Seth and Evan. We don't get the emotional depth that I think they want us to get out of them. Because what I get from the film is, like, they understood that the McLovin stuff is really good, and then they leaned more into that towards... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it doesn't really seem like there's much... Yeah. this is another thing too like as much as I really like Evan I, I don't he doesn't his character never like changes Their like, char- not, I don't think any I mean other than Seth realizing he was kind of an asshole the whole time n- none of the characters really like go through any growth mm-hmm. and I think I think that's something that Booksmart has over this easily yeah, because I feel like I feel like all the characters have a, have some sort of a, an arc. At least, I mean, obviously, at least the first, the the two main characters. Yeah. We're in super bad. 
I feel like they wanted us to see some growth and character arc within Seth and Evan, but it just never got there. And I, I think it's because it's split into essentially two, two films. One of Seth and Evan trying to get alcohol and go to this party and get laid, and one of McLovin just hanging with these cops. And I mean, that's kind of just the result of what happens when you have Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah, two really good actors, but then you also have Bill Hader and Seth Rogen, who are hilarious. It's like the result of who gets what. I, I always thought that it was pretty evenly split up, though. Although I Well, no, that... I think it's evenly split up, but that I think it you doesn't more... benefit from... From it being evenly, yeah, I I don't think it benefits from being evenly split up because you understand McLovin is kind of a side character, and so Mm -hmm. having him have character development is not necessarily crucial. Mm -hmm. You understand that that McLovin's story is just comic, like straight up comic relief, Mm -hmm. and. Evan and Seth's story, although it's very comedic, should kind of... I'm expecting some shades of character growth and arc. Just some some attachment towards them where I feel like I understand those characters. I, I mean, I feel like their friendship is, is pretty well developed. Mm-hmm. I guess, like, the one thing I got out of their... I guess anything that resembles an arc is that they're, they understand that their friendship shouldn't be something that's limiting them both personally. Mm-hmm. That this friendship should be something that benefits them, but doesn't limit and deter them. Yeah, because throughout the film, there's this, uh, there's this plot point where well, Evan and McLovin, or uh, Fogel, Mm-hmm are going to be uh, rooming together at Dartmouth. But mm-hmm. Seth, Seth, Seth and Evan have been, have been friends, like, forever. But Seth didn't get into... Um, Dartmouth. To Dartmouth. Yeah. And Evan, or Seth doesn't know that Evan and, and Fogel are going to be, like, dorming together. And, like, because Evan's, like, trying to keep that info away from him so it mm-hmm. doesn't, like, make him jealous. Mm-hmm. And... There's this whole thing where, like, at the end, Evan is trying to tell him that, like, he's been, that Seth's, like, been holding him back and and all that. Well, I think one line in particular really stood out to me about that conflict and why I think there, if there is an arc within their film, this film, it's about their friendship, where there's this line of, like, or there's this one conversation. I don't remember the line specifically, but there, he... Seth tells Evan, why are you going to Dartmouth? I didn't get in, so you shouldn't be going. hmm And I think that kind of... Because I think that's towards when they start fighting and you start realizing how codependent this relationship is in a very toxic way. Right. Where it's like, it's always been Seth saying my way or the highway, mm-hmm. even though it might not benefit Evan or actually hurt Evan. It Like, the stuff that Seth wants to do will actually hurt Evan. Mm-hmm. And um, I think towards the end of the film, they start to realize that their specific friendship should not be hurting each other, but rather helping both of them. Mm-hmm. And that there are sacrifices that need to be made within their friendship in order to help benefit a person. Right, which is why I really like the final shot because it's literally just them in the mall and they're just walking away from each other. Mm-hmm. It's like so they're, they're, they've had this codependent relationship this entire time that's been toxic and un- unhealthy, mm-hmm. and, then, and then they finally realize this and then they they spend some time away from each other. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like I still don't. I don't know. I just find no emotion towards wanting to understand both of those characters and why for me I enjoyed this film but it's like I don't probably enjoy it as much as a lot of other people do 
I enjoyed it a lot just off of the strength of how much I like Devin. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, just that whole relationship and like I like I, I knew where it was leading towards because you could tell the dynamic of their relationship from the very start mm-hmm. where uh, Seth has always been the the more dominant presence yeah yeah but like I enjoyed seeing where it was going I guess and I also really really enjoyed the stuff with McLovin and I love the McLovin (laughs) I like what I I don't know it's just fun to see the everyone thinks you're really weird thing and everything kind of just falling in place for him Mm -hmm. no I, I I think it was so great because it was it was like these these two cops that like from the start when they um when they find him and and like sort of interrogate him in the in the liquor store after the robbery like he mclevin or sorry fogel gives him the id which has just the name mclevin, <laughs> McLevin on it. no first name no um, first name yeah no have one <laughs> And so they they very clearly know that like this this kid's this underage, under right? yeah. But they're like, you know what? We're just gonna we're just gonna go along with this and like let this kid have a good time and have a good time with him. I think it's like it was, that part made it super enjoyable to me because it was like these 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 two like aloof like whatever cops are like fuck it just let's just have fun. And like yeah. they're they're hilarious. I, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm thinking of the one scene in in the bar where they get like a they get like a like a call or whatever. And mm-hmm. then, uh, <laughs> like, oh my god, I found this like so like darkly hilarious because they was like they were like ordering beers and then they're like more beers for us and then. <laughs> through the through the intercom on there. Oh, it's like a thing. homicide. It's like, oh god, there's so much blood. And they just turn it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, like that was that was honestly one of my like the best moments in that movie. I, I thought me. one I thought of the so funny points was like they were driving and they're like, oh, there's this house party. Everyone get in, and they're like, car ninety eight, especially you. And they're like, oh fuck, we have to do our job. And yeah. <laughs> Oh, and then, and then the one time they're, they're like parked by the side of the road, and I they're like, "What are they doing? They're doing something like by the side of the road." And oh, when they the shoot, so like, oh, oh yeah, they shoot. Like, oh shit, the cops! <laughs> the cops are shooting a stop sign, and then they hear the sirens, and they're like, "Fuck, let's go! It's the police!" Even though they are police. Oh uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, Seth Rogen and Bill Hader are just. They're so good at just riffing off one another. It's yeah. super fun just to watch that dynamic. I, was it's Seth kind Rogen, of was Seth ro- Rogen on Saturday Night Live or just Bill Hader? Just Bill Hader, I believe. Okay. I think what? so. Seth Rogen doesn't strike me as a Saturday Night Live person. Yeah. No, but Bill Hader specifically is, like, so good at just riffing and improving. And a lot of this movie feels like, like that. Yeah. And a lot, of, a lot of this style of comedy, sort of like the, not, not, like, not like mumblecore. But I like, mean, I think it's what Apatow is good at or yeah. is able to produce out of Would, would you call it films. mumblecore? I wouldn't call it mumblecore. No, 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 no. Like, but it's, it's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's. It's like that, but notched up a little bit, where it's it's hugely well, it's, focused on it's straight improv. improv. Yeah. yeah. At least yeah. I think Seth Rogen and um, Bill Hader's parts are more improv than say a Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah because I think they're both funny, but they just don't strike me as the type that would. I don't know. I don't know. I can't say, actually, if they're bad or good at improv. Because I know Arrested Development is a lot mm-hmm. of improvisation, I believe, right? I think so. Probably. And Michael Sarah's part of that, so... Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But I think the Bill Hader and Seth Rogen parts are just, like, a good relief compared to watching Seth and Evan bicker 24-7. <laughs> and right. us knowing that... Seth is kind of a dick. <laughs> Which is, it's great why, like, when it cuts 
back to McLovin and, and the cops because it, it's it is a nice break from that stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think it, without it, it would have not been nearly as fun to watch. Well, yeah, this is like a really rompy film. It falls into the same category as we just recorded the Fast and Furious film. I mean, it's not. It's way better than Fast and Furious podcast, but it's much better than Fast and Furious, but it falls into the same category of, like, this is entertainment. This Mm -hmm. is, we're watching it because it's fun. We're not watching it because we want to get some philosophical enlightenment from it. Yeah, it's it's not it's not book smart. It, it's def, it's not book smart in that way, because book smart has both sides to it. Yeah, I like book smart better. Sorry, yeah. and yeah. I don't know. I just find the characters much more emotionally available for me to invest in, where mm-hmm. I don't feel that type of investment with Seth and Evan. Right. That I feel yeah. like they probably want us to do, but also it's just like I don't get that the mindset in which they're particularly attacking like with uh, I don't I really don't want to be constantly comparing this to Booksmart but in Booksmart there's this uh, I don't know it's just like the idea of needing to be laid is not something that I is appealing to me the way Uh of in Booksmart it's like we just want to experience one last moment because we never did that right where this one it's like we want to get laid and I just don't respond that well to that sort of ideal. I don't want to keep, like, repeating myself and compare Because this and 500 Days of Summer, like, aren't comparable movies, really. But, like, mm-hmm. I feel like, again, like, what I was saying in that podcast, too, it's all kind of dependent on if you recognize that, like, from the beginning, like, Seth has been wrong and an asshole and misogynistic. And... Uh-huh. Evan, he's or Seth is just trying to sort of shape Evan into who he is, which, or sh- what he wants out of what, a best friend. Yeah, yeah, and and I think maybe a little bit at the beginning, Evan acts a little more like him, maybe like to to please him or whatever. But I think clearly from also he's been way more good hearted and is not trying to like just go to this party and get laid yeah because like, there are moments where like when they're waiting for full goal um seth or not seth evan is like we should check up on him we can't leave him and then right. Seth's like no 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 no. we just need to get the alcohol and go and get laid mm-hmm. like seth is very much like aware like the, the, or seth is just, just like he has more this objective con- and he's gonna do whatever he can to try to yeah. He has tunnel vision for wanting to get se- have sex. And mm-hmm. I think Evan is, that's not something he wants. And that's why he's more aware of the other things that he should be caring about. Like wondering mm-hmm. if Fogel is okay. Wondering if other people are okay. Yeah. Like he actually like cares about <laughs> like, like there's a the whole, other people in his life. There's a whole running joke that I think is very problematic, but it kind of just highlights why Evan is a good guy, even though that's a very low bar to set for guys. But it's like the whole thing of, well, if she's drunk and you're drunk, you guys can hook up and it's consensual. There's that whole running joke within the film that I think is very problematic. And then Evan's mm. like, well, no, that's very wrong. And I think that's supposed to highlight that Evan is a good guy, but that's also a very low bar to set. But also at the same time, it's the, that's the contrast between Seth and Evan. Seth is like, I'll hook up with whatever. Mm -hmm. And Evan's like, no, this is not right. Or uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, he thinks that way at least, even though again, very low bar to set. That's a very Mm -hmm. low bar, (laughs) but sure. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I remember watching this film when I was young and being like, I liked it. And then watching it now, I was just like, I mean, it's a, it's a different time. But I guess it really just hinges on my emotional investment with these characters is not nearly as potent or high compared to something other coming-of-age films like Edge of Seventeen or Eighth Grade or Booksmart or 
Lady Bird. Like, I have emotional investment in the characters within those films, were, and, and I just don't get that feeling from Superbad. Mm-hmm. I, I guess it's, it's a matter of what... I think it's very... I mean, it's very subjective. Yeah, no, of course, but... Uh, I... Do you, like, do you think Superbad is really going for, like, an, a super emotional in, in investment in the characters? Well, I mean... Because, I mean, I, I... I really liked Evan, but... I think I it's trying to frame itself in the beginning because, like, Seth is a huge dick in the movie. Mm-hmm. And they try to make sure that he understands that he was a dick. I think that's within, like, that's within the film. You can see it happening. It's just, like... No, but, like, I feel, like, you mentioned Lady Bird and Eighth Grade and, and Booksmart, and all those are, like, these parables for... Like the lessons you learn when growing up, but like I feel like super bad. But I, I isn't, get isn't I, nearly as like universal. Like, I, th- like, I think it's it's just solely about these characters, and maybe it's saying stuff about like. Well, obviously, like Seth was wrong from the from like the very start, mm-hmm. but also obviously about like this codependent relationship and the toxicity of it, and how. Seth has been like an asshole and misogynistic and trying to shape Evan from the entire point. But it's, it's in that way, it's not really about coming of age in the same way that something like Booksmart or Ladybird is. Where it's, my problem with that is like it frames itself in a coming of age light in the beginning, I feel like, for me at least, where you kind of expect that's where it's supposed to be going and it doesn't really I mean it bare bones gets there but for me I feel like I needed more mm-hmm. than just the bare bones of I realized I was bad and that is that mm-hmm. no I see I, I get that I get that I, I mean I know the films that I mentioned are more, I think they are more of a coming of age film than say something like Superbad. But even like other Judd Apatow films, Bridesmaids. I mean, it Bridesmaids centers around a girl, Kristen Wiig's character, who kind of starts real has a character arc of realizing that I haven't seen it in a while. But I, if I, what I remember is like she realizes that like being in a relationship is not the worst thing in the world and loving people is letting people in is okay Mm -hmm. and you feel that investment with all the characters and bridesmaids dating sarah marshall i feel there is growth within jason siegel's character understanding that you know he can't be lazy in a relationship he can't be just complacent all the time Mm -hmm. where i just don't and I felt some emotional investment. I have other problems with that film, but like at least I felt some emotional investment within the character where I just don't get that feeling towards Seth and Evan. I think that's because one of the two is just so wildly unlikable, probably. But then wouldn't it be so much easier for them to give it him the arc? To give... Seth the arc? Like, a much more in-depth arc. Because I think the moment of realization for Seth is when he makes... He tries to kiss Jules, Emma Stone, and then mm-hmm. Jules is like, I'm not drunk. I don't want this to be happening. You're drunk. I don't think this is particularly cool that you're... You think the only way I would get with you is if you're drunk. Right. Because that's also a very shallow understanding of Jules. Mm -hmm. I think that's when he realizes that, like, I don't need to put this facade on to get a girl. But that's about it for me, at least. I don't know. Yeah, I, I feel like that is still iffy in a way where it's kind of just like the sign of the times and obviously it 
probably wasn't like as I mean I guess not as socially aware mm-hmm. as if it as as if it were made like in 2019 but I I don't know like I I feel like a lot of his realization and his growth came from the fact that he was way too connected to Evan and how he was just being an asshole in general huh how did you see I mean I think I understood why he was being an asshole to like the moment where he kind of understands why he was an asshole to Evan was when he had to carry Evan out and he realizes like I'm making this guy feel very uncomfortable and putting him in a very uncomfortable position but I barely got that I got more of he understood it when Jules kind of told him like you think I would only like you if you were drunk if I was drunk that's kind of messed up that was it for me I don't know where I w- I'm curious where you saw this film being more of Seth understanding he was a dick to Evan. I mean, I feel like this film is more of Seth realizing he was kind of a dick in general. Well, I mean, it is that, but it was like the scene where they're like back at Evan's house and they're just like talking. Oh, and then, yeah. Do you, I don't I don't know if they view it as I mean, obviously he knew he was wrong after the thing with Jules. But like he starts like crying, like that 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 happens, right? Like he starts crying. After so two jewels, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like I, I view that as like this guy's fucking pathetic. <laughs> like I didn't really view that as like the the moment he like learned that he was wrong. Well, like, I, I I saw it as he was pathetic and he's starting to understand that that may be wrong Mm -hmm. and then the moment is probably when they have their sleepover but then it's like played for real big comedic laughs of like i love you i love you to imply like that them loving each other is weird for them to say i don't 2009 can't really give too much shit for it but at the same time uh I guess those are the two big moments, but mm-hmm. for me at least, but I don't know. I didn't really view the I love you thing as like, oh, it's so weird to say that. I thought it was just like a... I thought they just played it really over the top and it felt like that. I thought that was one of like the the few moments, like that scene and the, was it just like it at the sleepover to be one of the few like real genuine emotion in it. I liked it when they were just talking about it, but then when they kept saying, I love you, I love you, and it got amped up over and over and over, like them specifically saying that word, it felt like if they were implying something that like, this is supposed to be funny that they're saying that. I don't know. I mean, everything in this movie is sort of played for laughs, which is like, which maybe sort of contradicts what it's trying to go for as a coming of age film, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's like my... My feeling on this film is I don't really know how to feel about it because it's really funny and Mm -hmm. I understand it's 2009, no, 2007. Mm -hmm. And there's just some stuff that you, it's not good to say. It's just like I felt no, I keep reiterating it, but I just felt no emotional investment with the characters to the point where like I can kind of understand where they're coming from. Mm Mm-hmm. It's kind of similar to another Jonah Hill film I felt about, but, like, I thought that film was way more problematic with, like, mid-90s. Oh, yeah. I think think mid-90s is way more problematic. Oh, yeah, for sure. I do, too, but it kind of reminds, like, both have Jonah Hill, so I kind of just, like, thought about it, where it's like, I don't have enough emotional investment for me to understand why saying these things is okay, or at least not okay, but saying these things how what in their mindset was okay for them to say these things or act upon these certain things and i think that's my issue with super bad i just never quite grasp yeah grasp why they think why they think that this is particularly okay what do you mean by that specifically though like why what why what was okay it's like thinking that they need to get laid thinking that they need to put on a facade well, like that i just never 
felt and other than like the easy to I easy I'm assuming it's just like they feel like the need to be cool and act up so they don't feel pathetic but that's just like very bare but bones. I feel like I feel like that's well you, you like, say like why oh, do they I, feel I pathetic why. why do they constantly need certain so, to I do think, I don't know no but I, I feel like by they like because I only really see that in in Seth like I don't I don't see that in Evan but like for me it's like why does Evan let Seth push him over all the time well I think that's that's just why is there an insecurity of, within that I mean I feel like it's just a result of they've like known each other for so long and I don't know like maybe I, I mean I, I I don't know I guess I can't really say like where that sort of insecurity stems from Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know. Just for me personally, I think this film is almost there in terms of providing me emotional investment with these characters. But because there are some very dated lines and very dated ways of thinking, it felt it felt very jarring. And that like, okay, if you got to a certain point, I would have understood why these ways of thinking are here. But because you didn't for me personally, like, and then, I mean, the ways of thinking within this film by these characters, some of it is very, very not great. And so because of that separation and for me, at least, it just, I feel conflicted about this film. Uh-huh. And that's I, why I just don't know where I stand with it. I get it, but I don't... Like, I think we're supposed to condemn Seth, who's the one that had been thinking these things and then tried to rub that that mindset off onto Evan. And then, like, the scene with Evan and Becca, Evan realizes, like, this is completely wrong. I can't... I shouldn't do this. And then... I guess I can't really point to a single point of growth for Seth, which I think maybe is the big problem you're thinking of, that there's not enough to condemn his actions. I think so. I think so, maybe. Because I... Because obviously, like, Evan has been, like, the good-hearted one from the very beginning, and he almost... Like, he knows, like, when he's, like, going up into the bedroom with Becca, like, oh, this is not okay. But Mm -hmm. then, like, once he really... Like, once, like, like she really, like, tries to get with him, he's like, no, I, I, I can't do this. Like, I'm mm-hmm. sorry. And I think maybe that was the big moment for Evan that also Seth had to have also. Mm-hmm. And I, I, is, I is, think that maybe I just wanted more of either condemning Seth or Seth realizing like a it all, bigger it moment. Like, it almost seems like Evan has the moment that Seth should have. Yes. Yeah. Right? I because, think so. Because Evan, Evan knows from the very beginning that like this is wrong, and like obviously he like he has a crush on Becca, but he doesn't like he doesn't want to, you know, like he knows like going and having sex with her when she's drunk is wrong because. But it he's always is. been very complacent in doing, and like he's never really. He, like, understands why it's wrong, but never acts upon doing the right thing. And, I and then the understand, like, him not hooking up with Becca is probably, like, the moment of, like, he acted upon his understanding. Mm-hmm. Where I and think... And also sort of him breaking away from... Seth. The, co- the, the codependency with Seth. Yeah. And... Where I feel like how, Seth yeah. gets to the point of, I understand why it's wrong, but I feel like maybe... Maybe for me personally, I wanted to see an act mm-hmm. no, I, I, on his understanding. I totally, I totally agree with that. All right, good. We got 20 minutes, and I finally yeah. understood why. <laughs> I, maybe I don't think this... I, maybe I have what I find problematic about this film. Yeah. <laughs> it, honestly, it is kind of a, a similar situation with 500 Days of Summer, because it doesn't... Again, those are completely different films, but again... 
doesn't do enough to both films don't really do enough to possibly condemn the actions of their main characters yeah but it's still like a super quotable film and it's really fun mm-hmm. it's just i think, I think we're in a time where a lot of things just don't fly and for right. them to fly there needs to be an understanding I, and i don't think that this film is is like wrong natured yeah like or, they're not intent like, it's, like not, it's not it's not it's like not, we're doing this because it's bad and that's why we're very, doing it bad they're very clearly trying to condemn mm-hmm. Seth mm-hmm. but it's very much like a sign of the times mm-hmm. and it doesn't it's not enough by our by our standards now standards yeah. it doesn't poss- probably do enough to, mm-hmm. yeah to criticize what he's doing yeah. and what his mindset is yeah <laughs> I think I think we I think we kind of nailed it. It took a while. Yeah, it took I think, a while. I think we got it. Yeah, just us not saying I don't know a bunch of yeah. times, but I think we got it. I think we got it. Yeah. But any but, any final yeah. thoughts on Super Bad? I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Oh, I think yeah. We've talked about this before and a little bit hints of it in this podcast, but I think the comparisons between this and Booksmart are kind of unwarranted. Yep. Same. Yeah. Um, because I think Booksmart is much more a straight up coming of age film, but not not in a bad way at all. Not in a bad way at all. I think I like I like Booksmart a little little bit more than than Superbad, mm-hmm. but just because it has that universality that that whole thing. Like, I think any anyone can take anything out of out of Booksmart, mm-hmm. but I think I think this podcast has proved that. Superbad might not be so universal and it might not, you know, be so, um, so timeless. Mm-hmm. Just, just, just in the sense that, like, I think Booksmart's honestly gonna, years well, from I wonder, now, gonna be I a, wonder ha- what happens because that there's a lot of 20, this is a 2019 film. So if 10 years from now, what do we think? Is it dated the way we think of Superbad now? I just, I don't think... Or we see the, the, the datedness, the, at least. The not thing like, is, is, like, that... Like, I'm on the Wikipedia page for it right now. It's super bad. It's a 2007 American coming-of-age teen comedy film. But I feel like the consensus amongst audiences isn't necessarily, like, when people look back at Superbad, they're not like, oh, it's, like, a coming-of-age film. Like, they don't... I, I don't think they think of it in the same way that they think, think of something like... I, yeah. Like the Breakfast Club or something. Honestly, like, I th- when I think about Superbad, I think about McLovin first, and the comedic aspects of well, McLovin well, yeah. and the ridiculousness, rather than the coming of age. I just feel like oh, I'm trying to, because yeah, it's hard to compare that with that. But how about something like Mean Girls? Because the I jokes like, in there are also dated and problematic, but I have a better time understanding where those jokes are coming from but oh well whatever it doesn't matter no but i almost feel more like there's maybe more similarities between super bad and mean girls than like super bad and books oh I yeah mean, for sure least, like from i mean from a plot perspective obviously super bad and books book smart have are a lot, yeah have a lot in common but just in terms of what they're trying to achieve i guess it's it's themes or it's genre or yeah what they're trying to achieve it's a little bit closer to mean girls yeah possibly yeah but i like the conclusion that we ended on where it's like this super bad just to us maybe could have done more in condemning Uh and that's why it's a little hard it's creates these conflicted feelings for us or for me at least Mm-hmm. I guess but it's I, just hard to separate a subject matter on teens with coming of age. Right, right. And maybe it's, that's it's just my really... way of thinking that's, like, problematic. And it, maybe if I saw this as just a straight-up comedy, my mind would be different a little bit, but... Yeah, I mean, I feel like coming of age, like, having that as be, being, like, the genre that is labeled as that as for super bad is sort of misleading because mm-hmm. I don't I, I again I, I really don't think it's the same like it's that similar oh yeah maybe maybe I'll rewatch this 
with trying to remove that from my mindset. And And I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it would make it less problematic, but I don't think it will. (laughs) That's my hunch. Again, I feel like I keep repeating myself, but obviously, like there's some problematic elements or whatever. But I think it's still like a quotable fun time, and it's a fun watch. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I think. Like Jonah Hill, Michael Sarah, all the, all, pretty much all the all the performances are are really really good and really fun. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you you, you kind of hate Seth, but like Jonah Hill's a really good actor, so it's yeah. Yeah. It's it's questionable, it's questionable. But anyway, overall, I I I really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Despite everything that we talked about. And I don't know, maybe I'll revisit it and see what I have to think about about some of that stuff with, mm-hmm. with Seth. Yeah. Is that about it, Cynthia? Yeah. I mean, I I like it. It's just like there are moments of pro- like some problems for me that kind of just stick out in a way that I might, it's just hard for me to get over. But maybe, yeah, maybe I have to go back and want, rewatch it and try to remove kind of just see it as a straight laced comedy and see uh-huh. how it goes there apparently like I'm on the I'm on the, um, the Wikipedia page right now apparently they started Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg started writing this script when they were 13 uh, that makes me feel so great about myself I know right <laughs> I'm just yeah wow what was I doing when I was yeah. 13 fucking playing Minecraft all day Jesus <laughs> but anyway um, you can find us on Facebook at UW Film Club and on Twitter and Instagram at Film Club UW and then you can check out our podcast on Apple Podcasts SoundCloud Google Play and Spotify I think next week yeah next week we'll be talking about Inception right? yeah question mark? most likely yes <laughs> possibly possibly um, if it's not, then something happened, but yeah. If it Maybe is, we'll... that means I got to Inception. <laughs> it's <laughs> mainly reliant yeah. on me yeah, and Cynthia my weird is, things I do. Cynthia is currently going through Christopher Nolan's filmography in chronological order. She's on, she just... I'm so just, slow just, on this. <laughs> I just, just finished, finished Memento. Yeah. Uh, I'm entering uh, film bro culture, guys. Yes, <laughs> my, my hopes and dreams of entering into film bro culture. I have to watch the, David Fincher next, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, I mean, I guess we already covered a, a Tarantino film on here. Yeah, and Fast and Furious. Yeah. That's right, that's right. Someone, <laughs> where's my certificate? <laughs> uh, film bro certificate. Yeah. Hang it up. Um, <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye.